evening, guys. Uh, you're listening to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Your usual hosts are Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, uh, we could say good morning, good afternoon as well. This is true. This is true. We've got, um, we've got, I, I'm making assumptions here. Yeah, we've got listeners all over the place now. Yes. Um, yeah, Charlotte was saying we've got like something something daft like a quarter of our listeners at least are in the United States. Yeah. Which. Uh, is a lot more than I thought would be listening over the Atlantic, so uh, hello <laughs> over there. But uh, we've got quite a lot to cover this uh, this episode. Yeah, there's been a lot lot going on gaming wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two two new warbands came out for Shadespire. Yep, we'll have a chat about that. Got some news about Magic the Gathering, some new products coming out for them in April. Yep. So we'll cover that off as well. Uh, Malign Portents is in full swing. Yes, uh, which will lead us on to the kind of disaster of a day I've had today. <laughs> so so for those of you not aware, we, we are recording this on Saturday the 24th of February. So, something amazing has happened. No, something great. Sh- sh- no, right. <laughs> so to start... Right, um, my football team is Burnley, and Burnley were winning. They were uh, beating Southampton one nil until Southampton scored in the final minute of the game, which, which is, is annoying, but it's a draw. It's, it's, yeah. So um, Scotland beat England in the rugby today. Yeah, they did. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm. Do you know what? Like I. I, I I, I'm gonna get ripped in two yeah. when I go into the office on Monday. Uh, so I've I, I've gone pretty easy on you. You have, yeah, you have. Yeah. Like, um, but it, I, I, I can just feel it starting already. Yeah. So I'm just gonna have to. I'm spent. I'm probably gonna spend tomorrow just sort of stealing myself, like just. Getting myself. Do you, do you think the guys already? in your office are like making notes of things to say? Oh yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be planning this. So um, you, like, you can just imagine them like sitting in the studio, like scrunching up the paper, yeah, and throwing it in the basket. Like, no, it needs again. to be more brutal. Yeah. It needs to be more brutal. <laughs> I remember. See, I remember when uh, it was the European Cup for the football, uh, and England got drew against Wales. Yeah. Uh, and I, I entered the office that morning to find my desk covered in leaks and, <laughs> and like daffodils. So. <laughs> So I I uh, I cannot wait to see uh, what they're gonna uh, leave for me to discover, but um, perhaps uh, to just the icing on the cake was uh, myself and Scott as the the brothers Death. Yeah. Uh, super got, Death brothers. The Super Death brothers. We're not so super today. No. We got a fair hammering from uh, from your f- fire slayers. They did. All right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm yeah. just I'm just confirming what you said. Yeah, you're quite sensitive today, aren't you? Well, can, can you can you wonder why? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you, well, you did win a game of Shadespire. I did win a game of Shadespire. That 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 sort of like made yeah. me feel ah okay. It's, I did a so, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so this was my first game with the Malign Portance rules in effect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're pretty good. They're not like so the, the malign portents themselves, they're neat. They're not game breaking by any stretch. No. Um, it, it feels in terms of like power level, 
and the things that allows mm. you to do. It actually feels kind of like a hybrid of Triumph and Treachery and Storm of Magic yeah. from 8th edition. Yeah. It allows you to slightly tip the odds in your favour. Mm-hmm. It allows you to throw attacks at people yep. out, out of sequence. Um, but it's not game breaking the way that Storm of Magic could be at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with some of the big cataclysm spells. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's a bit more subtle, um, and I, I think it's designed in such a way where, and and this is very in in the spirit of Age of Sigmar, all, all of the the portents and things that you can use on their own don't do very much, but when you start comboing them, yeah, the, the, clearly the idea is to try and synergize yeah. them as much as possible. So, the more we learn about them the, the you know the better yeah uh, better an idea of what we're supposed to be doing with them yeah so uh, there, there's there's six um just for the benefit of people that don't know that you you have six guiding portents mm. that you can choose from and then each of the four harbinger models the the dark oath war queen mm-hmm. the fungoid cave shaman the Lord Ordinator and the Knight of Shrouds, they each have their own set of portents yes. uh, exclusive to them. Which you use as well. But you get the six generic portents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's quite interesting is that on the surface, like you've just got the um, the Red Mist, uh, the Bale Moon, things like that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're not very descriptive in their own right. But once you examine them, you actually see that they, they do complement certain play styles. Yeah. Um, like the the one that I use today, the Bailman, mm-hmm. um, it, it's very much uh, designed to give you more control over the battle shock phase, mm-hmm. um, which is what a dwarf player wants to be doing. Yeah, well, especially if you're up against like a, a night hunt army like yours. Yeah, which relies on whittling away at your bravery. So. Yeah. My and, banshees can just scream at you. But this is the interesting thing about the portents themselves, mm. is that you you don't have to have them written down on your army list. Mm-hmm. You can just rock up to a battle, see who you're playing against, and go, I'm going to use this one. Yeah, you can. Cho- you choose on the day. Yeah, Wh- yeah. which allows you to pre-plan a little bit. Give more. a bit of flexibility. Yeah. And speaking of those new uh, models, this was my first time using the um, Knight of Shrouds, and he's awesome. He is, and um, the Dread Solstice global campaign is in effect at mm-hmm. the moment, and uh, they've concluded the first chapter, and what, they've, what they're doing is every week uh, they have rules in effect for everyone's Age of Sigmar games all mm-hmm. across the world, and at the moment anything that's not death has minus one to its bravery, mm-hmm. and they've also given the Knight of Shrouds a new artifact called the Balefire Sword, which gives him plus one damage. To so his rather attacks. than doing two damage, he's doing three damage with so all of his, yeah. uh, his base attacks. So yeah, it's pretty nasty. I mean, he managed to single-handedly take out a u- one of your units. He did, but, yeah. Um, Quite a tough little unit as well. Yeah. Well, I, they they were exceptionally good for you. Yes, yeah. uh, the half guard. Yeah, um, they managed to chew through my <laughs> ghosts in no yep. with no bother whatsoever. But um, despite it being a loss, I still enjoyed it. Like, yeah. It was it was fun, and uh, I think I need to figure out more what I'm doing with the portents. 
before I dive more into it. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we'll hopefully I'll get the hang of it. Oh, you will. It's I mean it's like anything new. Like um, Scott, it was his first time using the Legion of Nagash rules, mm. which is the new book for for uh, death armies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he, by his own admission, he made a few missteps with some of these things. But that that's to be expected. Whenever mm-hmm. you're handed something new, you're not going to be an expert on no. it the first time you use it. No. Um, which um, is is something that I I've just switched to running a Fire Slayer deck in mm-hmm. Shadespire, and one of the things that that I'm doing at the moment is playing through it, playing through it, and then after each game, re-examining the deck mm-hmm. to decide what I want to remove and what I want to keep. Yeah, how how are you fighting the Fire Slayers in uh, Shadespire then so far? Um, the I thought that on the the surface they were going to be very similar to the orcs, but they mm. actually play quite differently. They they do. I mean, as as an opponent, like um, I have to take a very different approach to them than I do the orcs. Yeah, the orcs I'm avoiding combat unless absolutely necessary. Uh-huh. Whereas with these guys, what well, they are very killy. Yeah, they can. A lot of them can like one shot kill my, one of my guys. But at the same time, I feel like can I can get, I feel like I can go toe to toe with them a bit more. Do you think so? Yeah. So well, I managed to take out your leader uh, in in this game. Yeah, you did throw a lot of attacks at him. Mm. But I, the, like stat wise, the the fire slew leader's pretty much on a par with with Gerzag. Yeah. So. Yeah, and. I don't, I don't know, like, uh, and uh, the way the fire slayers work as well. By the way, where they get inspired, which is uh, like the sort of power up. Yeah, mechanic. you flip the card over and yeah, you, and they uh, get stat bonuses yeah, and things. Yeah, um, they they get that for holding an objective, yep. which is something you kind of want to be doing anyway, right? Sure. Uh, so I feel like you got three of your four guys inspired by the second turn, which is huge, right? I mean, that was good, but obviously you didn't really know at the time, but I, I really stumbled out of the game mm. with my objectives, um, but which is the main thing that I, I want to change up a bit. Um, I've, I've tried doing a few things that I'm not too happy with, um, but as far as my ploys and upgrades go, I'm, I'm very happy Yeah, uh, with how they work. What one of my favourite new cards is Ready for Action, mm-hmm. which is you play an upgrade on a fighter, that fighter can immediately move or attack. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and with with a four man warband, anything mm. that lets someone attack out of step is very useful. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially because as you were saying, a lot of the the fire slayers can can take out most other fighters in one hit. Yeah. Uh, particularly one once they've been inspired, which pretty much all of your guys were by the end yeah. of the of the game. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I managed. I managed to win uh, by virtue of scoring objectives. Um, and, uh, at the last minute, managed to deny you six points. Six points, which would have swung the game in your favour. Yeah. Uh, just by just by planting a little skeleton on an objective in your territory. Well, that's it. Uh, well, sometimes uh, that's all it takes. Yeah. But, and you could tell I was setting up for that as well, though. Yeah, I managed, I, to, I managed to move one of my other guys just in the way <laughs> to to yeah. block him as well. Yeah, because my plan 
my plan had been prior to you moving the champion in mm. there was to to charge vol at the the little guy who eventually it's, it's a petitioner the uh, they call the petitioners like yeah. they are ba- they're basically the worst they're the grunts aren't they yeah uh, they're probably the worst fighters in the whole game um i haven't I haven't come up against or played as the skaven yet I think uh, I think the bog standard skaver are slightly better than the petitioners. Yeah, I, w- I would think so as well. But of course, the petitioners have the advantage of one: you can bring them back. Yeah. And two. Uh, well, you, you couldn't in that game. No, not in that game. Uh, but it, normally you can. Yeah. But uh, but two as well, you can move multiple of them with one action as well. Absolutely. Which is, um, which for a game where you know maneuvering. Uh, and positioning your guys in the right place is key. That's huge, right? Yeah. Particularly, uh, and the undead move quite slowly normally, so it's normally that I, I think that's to compensate for that. But um, which actually brings us on to one of the new cards, mm. massive game changer, earthquake, which I'm gonna have to put in my deck. Uh, but I don't know what I'm gonna take out because I really like all of the ploy cards that I have. Um, earthquake's too good. No, I I think if you're taking a deck to a tournament, you can oh, need you, to have earthquake. You definitely in it. should. So what earthquake does is it reads you um, move you move every single fighter on the board in one direction, one space. So with one card, you can move everyone off their objectives or everyone onto an objective yeah, potentially. That's true. That's true. And uh, I mean, you used it to a fair like. A pretty good effect in that game. You moved a lot of my guys off objectives and pushed one of my guys into a bit where he couldn't get out of as yeah. well. So and it, it actually pushed one of my guys into a place where he had a few options for charges. As yeah. Well. So um, definitely need to figure out what I'm going to remove in my own deck to put that card in. Because I I think I think everyone needs to have that card mm. now. Um. Not not just because it's so good, but also for that chance that because um, we've done this with confusion and sidestep before, <laughs> where <laughs> some, someone plays confusion and then you just play confusion to undo it. Yeah, and it's like th- they're doing a little waltz. Yeah, and I think I think people are going to start doing the same thing with earthquake. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you play earthquake, well earthquake back, and just yeah. move everything back the way it was. Yeah. So uh, that's definitely one of the new cards. I mean, for me as well, with how I've met, my deck is all built around claiming objectives. So there are the the new cards that I put in mine immediately where there were a couple of new keys. The keys are like little upgrades you can give your characters that just read, if you are holding objective, whatever, score two points at the end of the game. So they're kind of like auto-includes for me. So I've gone from just having two to now having four of them, yeah. uh, which is great. They're effectively just extra objective cards. Yeah, uh, you like uh, personally rather I, I I would much rather have sixteen objective cards rather than twelve. You know, so yeah, there is that, but at the same time, you are potentially losing out on survivability and yeah, certainly killing prowess. Sure. So. I think they work in my deck. They they work in your deck, but I th- I think that they're they're not necessarily auto includes. Mm. Pretty- I mean, I, I, have, have any of the other new cards uh, caught your eye? Obviously, you're, you're trying out a new warband, so a lot of new cards in that. But there, there's a new upgrade card, uh, vampiric weapon. Mm. 
which if you kill a character, which is pretty doable for the Fire Slayers, mm-hmm. uh, you take a wound marker off. So that's pretty good. Yeah. If you're a combat focused warband. The, the the Fire Slayer warband effectively also has two healing potions because mm-hmm. you, you you get healing potion, but then there's a new card called Our Gold Boon. Which is just for the Fire Slayers. Which is a Fire Slayer exclusive, but it, it functions in exactly the same way as the mm-hmm. Healing Potion card. So it, it means that um, we're combat-wise, they're pretty much on a par with the Orcs. I'd say that they're a little bit tougher than the Orcs, yeah. though. A little bit more versatile, Yeah, I'd say, as well. I think if you're, if you're playing the Orcs, you just want to go all-out murder. Yeah. Uh, whereas Fire Slayers can probably adapt their game a little bit depending on who you're up against you probably wouldn't be as aggressive against say um, the uh, 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 the Sigmarite um, warband well no I don't you would probably with the fire slayers you would take that first turn to get your guys ready and then mm. I think second turn you would just go nuts okay because <laughs> um, that, that's the, the, the good thing about the um the Stormcast mm. is that uh, Fire Slayers outnumber them. Yeah, uh, that's true. So you can just gang up. Yeah. yeah, which is the way to go against yeah. that warband. So that's that's the new um, the new warbands for we, Age of Sigma. We've, we've yet to get our teeth into the Skaven. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, you did that one, not me. You can't groan at that dad joke. Well, that that pun wasn't intentional. So still a pun. Okay. Still a pun. It's like was it <laughs> ignorance of the law is no defence. Yes. Of the law. So, <laughs> yeah. Um but we've we've yet to to really have a look at how, how they function. Mm-hmm. Um but um an, another card that was in the Skaven expansion that I thought was quite interesting was Curious Inversion, which uh um all Cross swords become hammers, yeah, and then all blocks become dodges, yeah. So you could use that to weaken, yeah, uh, an opponent and strengthen your own, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's I think going to be very useful for the Skaven in particular. Oh yeah. Um. But oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how things pan out. Um. So that that's the new war bands. Um. Just in terms of other news, then, uh, or other things that we've been up to, we have been playing a little bit of Pandemic Legacy. I'm playing a lot of it. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely oh, love yeah. it. Yeah, um, we're late to the party on this yeah. uh, because it came out. This, we're playing through season one. There won't there won't be any story spoilers. Yes, this is purely a discussion of the legacy mechanics yeah uh so i'm i'm a big fan of like the ordinary pandemic game which apparently is uh, celebrating its 10th birthday i didn't realize year. it was that old yeah i know um great game uh one of the first games that i bought like well one of the first quote unquote proper board games <laughs> i think I it's it's okay and like the basic pandemic mm. but i think it works better as a legacy game. definitely I think so. Um, the ob- what the legacy mechanics involve you making decisions, and those decisions having repercussions on later games that you play. Yeah, this uh, can per- be, permanent repercussions yes. as well. That's this can be placing stickers on the board 
that uh, reflect that this this city is now panicking. Yeah. Um, or uh, ripping up cards so that they're no longer usable. That sort of thing. Uh, if you do well in a game, you'll get a little bonus for your next game. Uh, so I, I, I think it's great because it gives every decision point uh, and just the, the game in general, playing the game has more weight to it because there's more at stake because it's going to affect... Uh, it's going to affect everything going down the line, but you, you you've got well maybe not a, crit- a criticism of it. Well, yeah, it is a criticism. I've got a couple of criticisms. First of all, that everyone's making a big deal about legacy games at the moment. Mm. Um, for for as as someone that that's played quite a lot of uh, war games, mm-hmm. war game campaigns, and quite a few like role playing games. Legacy games aren't quite as revolutionary as they're being made out to be, because it is essentially a campaign. No, that's fair. I, I I can I can see that. That that's that's not to detract from what the what these guys have done because what they've designed is brilliant. Yes, but it it's not quite as new mm-hmm. as a lot of people are making out. Um, it, it, and as as I say, like primarily in in war gaming. Uh, campaigns with uh, with games having direct consequences for mm-hmm. games that follow on, that that's been around for decades. Yeah, yeah, that's that is fair enough. Um, the the second criticism I have is I don't see why uh, these decisions have to have permanent consequences. Um, and the, I think the example I used with you was uh, if you take a game where you are like a video game where you're forced to make choices, mm-hmm. like Fable. That first time you play through Fable, is you, you're never going to have that same gravitas, that mm-hmm. same emotional response from the player as mm-hmm. you do that first time they're making all of these choices. But if 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 um. If you're anything like me, like I, I played through Fable Two multiple times. Yeah. Uh, and even though I knew more or less what was coming, that the, there was still something quite interesting about playing through these scenarios and just going down the opposite choice just mm. to see what would happen. And that that's easy to do that in a video game because you just start a new campaign and all the pieces reset for you. Mm-hmm. And. The, that, but you don't have that in Pandemic Legacy. Those stickers are on there and they're not coming off. And and there was a, a situation. Uh, Callum, Lanky Santa, um, was in one of our games and uh, set the game up incorrectly. Yeah. But we couldn't undo it. No. Uh, it- where the decisions were made, stickers had been placed... Uh, so that's it. But but this is but this is um, one of the main problems there with not being able to reset. It, it assumes that your players have correctly understood the rules, and aren't going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. If they make mistakes, they can't undo them. That your your choices have permanent consequences. Yeah. So do your mistakes. Yeah. I I I get what you're saying. Um, I don't find it a big deal. Like. I think um, the thing that Matt Leacock, the designer of Pandemic and Pandemic Legacy, points out uh, when people were criticising, oh, but I can only play this game 12 times. No, this is a game you will play at least 12 times. 
right? How how many how many games do you own that you haven't even took out the wrapper? Or that no, it's it's per, it's a perfectly valid statement, mm-hmm. right, which I completely agree with. But um, I, I keep I keep referencing it, but the the Firestorm um, expansion for Age of Sigmar, the campaign that mm-hmm. we're using at the moment, um, is quite clearly influenced by. Uh, the the recent surge in, in legacy games, yeah, which is quite interesting because the legacy, if you want to use that blanket term for for mm-hmm. campaigns, is something war games have done for ages, yeah, uh, and probably so war games in a way have informed legacy gaming, and now legacy gaming is informing yeah. some things from war gaming, um, but the what what they've done in Firestorm is they've got stickers. Mm-hmm. But they are washable, so you can just take them off. Yeah, when you're done. Well, that might be that might be um, a way to go about it. Uh, th- the concern that I would have is it might encourage the sort of behaviour. Of, uh, mind when you were a kid and you were reading through a choose your own adventure book. No, skip back. Yeah, yeah, it's the classic. Okay, all right. Uh, go to page whatever if you want to open the door, or go to page whatever if you just want to try the next door. I'll try the next door. No, 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 no! I choose the other door. I choose the other door. Yeah. I, I, I think it might encourage a bit more of that behaviour, which is not in the spirit of what the, no, the that, game is about. No, that that's true. And the the with with decisions having permanent consequences, it does mean that those decisions carry a, a lot more gravity. Mm. So I do understand why they've done it, but if it was me personally designing it, I would give them an option to reset yeah. it, because the fact of the matter is that I, after, where I might not do it just because of the sheer amount of games that we have to play. Part of me is curious about you know like how the game state would end up if I had made different choices or we had yeah. made different choices. Yeah, that's true. And I have to go out and buy. A new game to do that. Another copy of Pandemic yeah. Legacy. Marketing genius, though, right? <laughs> Make them buy our game multiple times. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the, the bottom line to take away from this, though, is Pandemic Legacy is fantastic. I, I can't oh, wait yeah. to play more of it, and I can't wait to try Season 2 as well. I mean, don't. I, I, I realise I've gone on for like the past seven minutes uh, like quite heavily criticising the game. I'm really enjoying it, mm-hmm. and I I I I love um, video games and tabletop games. Um, that that have you make decisions that have far-reaching consequences. Yeah. Um. So I I I love Pandemic. I would recommend it to anyone. Just those are the things that bother me about yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So just quickly before we wrap up, then um, we've got the the announcement of the challenger decks, or rather the uh, the card lists for the challenger decks for Magic: The Gathering. Uh, so these decks are due out in April, and they announced these decks before Christmas that they were going to be doing them. Okay. And the mission statement behind them was that these were pre-constructed decks that you could open out the box and do well at Friday Night Magic. Possibly even win Friday Night Magic, which is competitive. That is, yeah, that 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 is the Friday Night Magic is the organised play that Wizards of the Coast uh, put on. Every like loads of different gaming stores run it, um, and you get little prizes for doing well. 
Yeah, and it, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like well, it's kind of like a gateway into competitive play. And crucially, these decks were being uh, pitched as you wouldn't have to upgrade them an awful lot to make them proper competitive decks. Yeah. Now. We've heard this chat from Wizards of the Coast before, and uh, everyone at that point thought it was a load of bull. So, earlier this week, we had um, the deck lists announced. Yeah. And it's the real deal. (laughs) So, there are four decks in total, and they are genuinely four very strong archetypes in standard. You've got uh, a red aggro deck, a blue-white control deck, um, what they're calling vehicle mid-range, which is all based around the vehicle mechanic from um, the Kaladesh block. Uh, and the final one is one that's based on counters, just putting loads of counters on uh, on your creatures and winning that way. Um, four very decent archetypes. And each box... The, the recommended retail price in America is going to be $29.99, uh, so it's probably going to be about £25 per box. But in terms of value, you're probably getting, like, if you were to use current card prices, somewhere between 50 and and $100 worth of cards. At the same time, though, if they're mass-producing them, does that not devalue those uh, cards? It, it will. It inevitably will. Yeah. Uh, and these, see, these deck, these four decks, they're going to be sold in big box stores. So in America, the likes of Walmart and Target yeah. are going to stock them. I dare say you'll probably uh, see some of them in the larger supermarkets over on these shores uh, as well. So that's going to drive the price of these individual cards down. But some of the cards that they've included in them were things I'd never expect them to do. The the most expensive card from Kaladesh, uh, Chandra Torture Defiance. Went for about, I think it was, I think at a peak she was worth $40. She's included in one of these decks. And so, current, from current car, like card price, she's, you know, she, she's worth the, the money you're paying for alone. Yeah. And then you get a whole deck. <laughs> and not to mention, um, these are cards that are used in competitive play. And not just like one of, so some of the decks have the blue white control deck is all based around a card called Approach of the Second Sun. And it has three copies of that card in, which is probably the number that you'd want to be playing in a competitive deck for that. Uh, it's got, uh, they all include like rare lands as well, which are typically some of the more expensive cards that you'll mm-hmm. buy for a competitive deck. Um, so they, they've actually come good on what they said they were going to do. Uh, and you can probably tell, I, I'm I'm thrilled that they're actually doing it. I don't know if I'm actually going to buy one, because I've already got my standard deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for someone who was looking to get into it, this is an absolute... It's a steal, right? And that just a, a great way of try, like, easing yourself into uh, the standard format. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry to sorry to gush about a game that you don't play, Ben. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So so they come out early April. Uh, yeah. So that's the 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 news on the Magic the Gathering front. Well, as far as card games go, uh, we've just bought a a booster box for uh, the Pokemon Ultra Prism expansion, haven't we? Yes. So I'm gonna. Uh, I I have played the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, a little bit 
I, I have no idea how I'm going. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to do uh, a sealed yep. pool. So there's going to be us two, uh, is Charlotte taking part? Charlotte and my sister, Abby. Yeah, so the four of us, we're going to uh, split the booster uh, packs from this box, open them up and try and build something out of that. I have no idea how I'm going to go about doing that for a Pokemon deck. But we'll, well, none of us we'll, have any idea because we don't know what cards we're going to get. So we'll, we'll give it a go. Yeah, it'll be fun if nothing else. So we'll, but we'll, th- th- this, of course, was the uh, now notorious expansion because the entire pre-release for the UK got nicked. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still haven't found any of those black market Pokemon cards. <laughs> no, they'll be on the dark web somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we'll, we're we're going to do that next week, I think. So we'll we'll report on uh, we'll report on how we get on with that as well. Um, um, it's, uh, very quickly, uh, I had another D and D session the other night. Yes, and it was our first proper outing with the ar- archetypes from Xanthar's Gate to Everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris. Uh, whose previous character Werner died is now playing a Hexblade mm-hmm. uh, which is a type of Warlock I right. believe uh, Charlotte is now playing an Arcane Archer mm-hmm. which is a type of fighter Yeah. so you get action surge and all that, all yeah, the cool so stuff can, fighters get yep. and I um, I'm still playing the same character Brynjar but I managed to talk with my GM and he agreed to let me switch to Gloomstalker. Did you? Did you bribe the GM? Uh, I I didn't have to. He's a good lad. There we go. He's a good lad. Um, but the the Gloomstalker is amazing. Yes. Yeah. The Batman of dwarfs. So the dwarf. Bat dwarf. Bat dwarf. Bat, we'll go with bat dwarf. Yeah. yeah. Bat dwarf. So um, I'm level three. Well, I'm now level four. I was level three at the time. Um, he has an ability called Dread Ambusher, which mm-hmm. is on the first turn of combat, he gets an extra 10 feet of movement, mm-hmm. and he gets a, an extra attack, which does an extra 1d8 mm-hmm. of damage. Uh, <laughs> my, my character, um, because because um, previously we'd all been beat up mm-hmm. by this orc, and we had all our gear nicked, and then had mm-hmm. to break out of the shaman's room, none of us have any gear except for the stuff that we found. Uh, I have this big orc mall. Mm-hmm. So we went into this room to fight this ogre and these two dire wolves. Brynjar attacks, rolls a crit mm-hmm. against the dire wolf, and uh, with Hunter's Mark on, mm-hmm. does 3d6 plus 3 damage mm-hmm. from the attack, plus the d8 from the dread ambusher, yeah. and then rolls all of that again. Yeah. So the 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 die wolf was uh, an ex die wolf. It, it was uh, a sort of paste. Oh, by the end of it, oh, that that'll make that make me feel sorry for the bad guys in this. Well, it was. I mean, I, I, after uh, after that, um, Charles was like, "Well, we all know what class we're picking when we roll our new characters now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like as it goes, if it turns out that Gloomstalker is completely OP, but 
at the moment is he, he's churning out a lot of damage and he's still he quick. could be one of these classes though because there are quite a few that are they, they are very good at low levels yeah. but when you get higher up maybe there's isn't skill quite yeah uh, so that might be the idea behind him from a like a sort of balance perspective I guess yeah that might be the thing I don't know though he sounds nasty yeah I mean he does, he, he gets a, a free magic spell mm. at certain level increments as well so mm-hmm. it, it does you know he's always going to have some cool stuff to do but you're right maybe maybe they don't scale quite yeah. right but time will tell yes indeed indeed and speaking of time I think that is uh, all we have for this episode but uh, guys look thanks very much for uh, tuning in uh, and until next time we'll uh, see you then Cheerie, bye. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) 